Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. We're going to talk about true community today. You know, true community is something that I really, uh, when we started the church, really wanted to create. And that is who my wife and I are. That's who our leadership team is. That's who people who have been around us know that we're not pretentious. We're not trying to be something that we're not. We just want people to come into Love City Church and sense the love of God. And you can just be who you are with all of your hang-ups and your idiosyncrasies and all your issues. And that we'll work on those things together as the Holy Spirit leads us. We want to create not just community, not just church structure, not just systems, not just how can we grow and be bigger. We want true community so that when you're a part the churchy sense. Man, that is my family. Something God's doing in our church, and I feel like something's shifting. You know, often I, I get up early in the morning, and I go have some coffee, and I see these crazy people out running at like 5.30 in the morning. Like, why, Lord, why would anyone ever, God, help me understand why anyone want to get up at 5.30 in the morning and run with people. Like, that's the worst. But they do it because they want exercise, but more importantly, community. I think about this, these people are crazy. They go out, they decide together to climb up the side of a mountain. John, if John McMeckin was here, he'd be like, what, this is normal for me. John's probably one of the guys on this trip. Why in the world would someone ever do this? Yes, to have the experience of climbing a mountain, but they probably did it with friends or people that they know because they wanted to have community. And the biggest one for me, the, the most brutal one is these uh, polar swims. You know, people go out and jump in the cold water and you say, why in the heck would they do that? And they're celebrating and dancing. Yeah, I don't think you ever would see someone jumping into a, a cold water by themselves. <laughs> but mostly when people are doing this, they're doing this in the context of community. People will, in our city, are looking for community. Why? Because most people are lonely. Most people across this city are so lonely that they think that if they acquire more things and they, they get more promoted in their business or if I join this group or if I'm a part of that thing, I just want friends. I just want relationship. I just want connection. I've shared this before, but I had shared uh, Jesus with my next door neighbor relentlessly for two years. Every day, I'd say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I tell you about my Jesus? Can I tell you about my Savior? Can I tell you about my friend? Every way I can think of it. Can I tell you about my, the universe? Really, it's Jesus. The universe. They're like, the universe? Yeah, it's, it's Jesus. You know, like, I'm just trying to like trick them into thinking about Jesus. And finally, she said, Ryan, just lay it out for me. Lay it out for me. And so I gave her all the theological, doctrinal nuances of the differences between this religion and that religion. And I was ready. I'm talking about the cross and the crucifixion. And I'm talking about the resurrection. And she's like, okay, okay. And then finally, I got to the part where she said, yeah, you have that party at your house twice a month on Fridays where you just cook food and invite everyone in the community. What's that? They said, well, that's called community. We do life together. We kind of share all things in common. It's super fun. It's kind of the cool part of being, you're part of a family now. And she goes, oh, I want that. I thought, I just gave you, like, eternity. I just, I talked about heaven. I talked about hell. I talked about it all, guys. And the only thing she zoned in on was community. 
Because people are so lonely. I bet you money if I took a poll, I said, close your eyes really tight. We did heads up, seven up, and I went around the room, and all of you guys raised your hands and said, who are you feeling deeply lonely? I bet you you would be shocked at the statistics of the people in the room who say, I am feeling so deeply lonely, so much so that it's causing a rift in my relationship with God because I'm saying, God, send people to me. God, send people in my life. And today, I want to talk to you about how to attack the area of loneliness in your life. Many of us today even find loneliness in our marriage. We have a great marriage, but we find, man, there's just, there's just something missing. God wired us to have community. Look at these quotes I picked up at the very last second. Deborah, I don't even know how to say her last name. I'm sorry, I think it's Felita. What if our loneliness is a result of not simply of needing a partner, but of needing people? We are made in the image of God we are made in the image of a relational God, it makes sense that we possess the desire to be together. Look at this one. Aloneness can lead to loneliness. God's preventative for loneliness is intimacy, meaningful, open, sharing relationships with one another. In Christ, we have the capacity for the fulfilling sense of belonging which comes from intimate fellowship with God and with other believers. Let me read a scripture to you today, which is going to be our key text, found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 to 26, and it says this. Now, since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, so since we've made a decision that I'm going to be a follower of God, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. This will happen when... This will happen when we set aside our self-interests and work together to create true community instead of culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. So Paul's saying, listen, I want you to keep in step with the Spirit. I want you to keep in step with what God's doing. If you want to stay in union and communion and relationship with God, you've, the only way to really do that is what the scripture's saying, is to work together to create true community. Because if you don't, it will become a culture consumed by pride and envy. And so here Paul gives us three things from this verse that I want to share with you today, three very simple things to help us understand the idea of true community, the idea of what true community is. Okay, so the first one is this. You can read, uh, listen online or write this down if you want. True community starts with each of us setting aside our own self-interest. Like, all right, Ryan, you kind of crossed the line already. So I want to make a really clear point here. You might be thinking to yourself, Ryan, wait a minute. I thought this was kind of sort of about me. Now, I want to tell you something. It actually is about you. It's okay to walk into a church environment. And have you ever been to a church before? I know I have, where I walk in and the, the coffee tastes like I'm at an AA meeting. Or like the people are really rude. Or you walk in, I remember one time I walked into a church, and I was actually going to be the pastor of this church, or not the pastor, but on staff. And I walked in, and there was a group of people, and my wife and, my wife and I stood there, and not a person spoke to me. And I'm standing there like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And what I did, because my natural inclination, is to kind of just interject myself. So I walked up into the group and said, hi guys, I'm the new youth pastor. And they were like, oh, hi, how you doing? They started talking to me. It was just awkward. How many of you know that sometimes you can go into environments where your self-interests actually matter? 
You go in and you want it to be friendly. You want the worship to be relevant and, and sound good. You want the, the preaching to be about Jesus. You want there to be uh, connections. You want to experience the Lord. You want to be a part of a community where you can invite your friends to. Your self-interest actually matters a lot. Like, I want to release you from feeling today that I'm saying it doesn't have anything to do with that. You should want to go to church on Sunday. You should want to invite your friends to church on Sunday. You should want to be a part of the, the church and drink our wonderful Fratello Analog Coffee, thank the Lord. You should want to have self-interest. That's one of the reasons you're here today. You said, there's something about this, maybe not everything, or maybe it's everything, I don't know. Something about this I like, and I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see if it works. Your self-interest actually matter. Now, there's a lot of people who think, well, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. Or it's not about you. It's all about other people. Yeah, you're right. We'll get there in a minute. It is about those things. But you have to understand, God wired you with interests and desires. And it's okay to walk into an environment and say, you know what? It starts with my own interests. Look at this in Philippians chapter uh, 2, verse 1. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You're filled overflowing with his comforting love. You've experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. So Paul here is identifying actually the benefits of serving God. You're going to say, Ryan, what are the benefits of serving Jesus? Well, first and foremost, look at this. You, you have encouragement. You're filled to overflowing with God's love. You, you, you have experienced a deepened friendship with the Holy Spirit. You feel his tender affection and his tender mercy in your life. Those are some of the benefits to your individual relationship with God. And Paul here is saying, listen, you should have those on a regular basis. That should be your experience with, as, as a Christian, a part of a local church. It's not anger or bitterness or depression or being upset or being wounded or being in pain or being frustrated or being angry or not having faith. Those aren't things that are Christians. Christians and followers of Jesus have love and joy and are filled with the compassion of God and they're friends with God and when things go hard they say you know what this is hard but my God is bigger I have a friend with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that type of relationship with Jesus is possible for you and it starts with you it doesn't start with you and the person next to you it starts with you and Jesus you and God you guys together you have this great experience where God meets you where you're at in your areas of self-interest you find that, yeah, this is about you. This is about your walk with God. This is about your behaviors. This is about what you like. This is about the call of God in your life and what he's called you to do. It is about that. But, here's the but. <laughs> the scripture very clearly identifies what happens if we keep it only about that. This is where I think the state of the church is in many ways in North America, is that we create consumer. You notice the word there. It says, instead of a culture consumed. So a consuming culture. There's a balance between creating a space where we care about your self-interest, where we want the lights to look nice, where we hang these, and we have good coffee and good food, and where you can say, yeah, I like it. There's a balance to that where we have an experience for you to say, I want to bring my friend to church. But there's a point in this journey where that can become consumed with envy, pride, and provocation. The word provocation is the idea that there's a, it's a, provo a provoking environment, an environment that provokes you. So maybe the speaker comes up and will we'll speak things that are just challenging to you all the time, provoking you, provoking you, provoking you. That's not necessarily the context that God wants. He wants love and joy and peace and hope. And so Paul is saying here that if we're not careful, it starts with your self-interest. Your self-interest will continue to matter but if it stays only about your own self-interest, it becomes a consumer culture. Wow. 
And we've got to be careful that we as a church don't become a consumer culture. Do we want to add lights? Do we want better food? Do we want a great worship experience? Do we want to make sure that this place is conducive for unbelievers to come in and feel really comfortable? Absolutely, yes. But we will not give in to a consumer culture. It starts with self-interest. And it leads into the next two things we're going to talk about. And so I want to encourage you today to recognize that Paul shifts gears and says, it's okay to actually have desires when you come to church. It's okay. I'm releasing you to that. Be okay coming into church thinking, I really don't like how this works. Man, I don't like how the children's ministry check-in is this thing or that thing. I don't really like it. That's okay. Tell us. Hey, I was thinking, this is a problem I've had with that. Is there any way we can maybe adjust that? Sure, let's do that together. It's okay to have self-interest, but make sure in our culture it doesn't go beyond the consumer environment. And see, Paul actually teaches us something here. And he continues in Philippians. Look what he says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Look at this. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. So if you're in the room today and you feel like you have an opinion and it is filled with pride, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Because it's going to ruin our cherished unity. There's a place for conversation. There's a place for connection. There's a place for working stuff through. I love those environments. But listen, if all we have is pride-filled opinions, that is not benefiting the unity of the church. There's a place for it. Look at what he says. He says, Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. So Paul's saying, listen, remember you had a great experience with Jesus. You had a great time with him. Remember his love. Remember his friendship. Remember that you are here to experience Jesus. But don't forget, if you stay only about your experience with Jesus, it'll become a consumer culture. You need to start thinking like this. I need to put down my self-interest. I need to stop, you know, maybe there's some self-promotion in my heart. I need to look for opportunities to serve other people. This is the fear. If we don't do that, the scripture says, we will get out of sync with the Spirit. Remember that? He said, hey, if you want to stay in sync with the Spirit, if you've made a decision to be a follower of God, if you want to be a part of the family of God and part of the church, you want to be involved in this journey, he says, listen, you want to be involved in this journey of being a follower of Jesus Christ, then let's keep in sync with the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, we create life-giving community, true community together, but be careful, don't make it all about you all the time. Look at the scripture in John chapter 13. So I give you now a new commandment. New, because he had originally talked about loving everyone, and now he's talking about loving disciples. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love that I have for you by loving one another, everyone, who? Everyone. Who? Everyone. So not just the Christians, not just the churchgoers, not just the disciples, not just the believers, people who are outside the church who need God so desperately we'll see that you and I actually are true disciples of Jesus Christ because we have chosen to love and serve and care for one another to lay down our own self-interest. Look at this. Keep going in John 13, just a few verses prior. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. 
Do you understand what I just did? So he had just finished washing all of the disciples' feet. He washed Peter's, he washed Judas's, he washed Matthew's, he washed Bartholomew's, he washed all of their feet. One by one, he washed their feet. And then he said this, after washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I just did? Jesus said, you've called me your teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord, I, and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Look what he says. How? Do, uh, now do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you, and look at this. Put into practice what I have done for you. Wash one another's dirty feet, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with what? Untold blessings. <laughs> Come on now, put a smile on your face. Look at this. Every one of us, as a follower of God, has a towel. When you come to church on Sunday and you're a part of the family of God, you got this towel, you've got to come with your towel. It's one thing to sit down and have the meal. It's one thing to enjoy, but don't forget, God's called us to whip this towel out and start washing some dirty feet. <laughs> and when you wash dirty feet, the Bible says you will experience happiness and the untold blessings of God because the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. Jesus said, I didn't come, I came to, to seek and save the lost. He says, I came as the servant of many. I came to give my life. And so the way for us to start creating true community is for you to enjoy your experience at church. And that's okay. But don't always make it about that reality. Don't always make it about that. Remember, you got a towel. Some of you got dry towels sitting in your life and you just got to take them off the wall and start using them. Serve somebody else. Find someone else you can serve. Find someone else rent payment you can pay. Find someone else that needs help. Someone needs a ride. Someone needs help moving. Someone needs some encouragement. Someone needs a text. Someone needs some love. Someone needs some encouragement. That's the family of God starting to get past their own self-interest. Man, I don't like that they said that to me, but the fact that it offended me, I'm going to go to them. I'm not going to wait for them to come to me. I'm going to work through my own offense, and I'm going to walk up and say, hey, I got a towel. You offended me. Judas, you're about to betray me, but I'm going to wash your feet. Because why? This is how we create true community. You're not Judas, brother. Tony's not Judas. He's my friend. See what I'm saying? That this is the first step to creating true community, and this is where I believe the North American church struggles the most. We create environments for us to make it about our self-interest. We've all got towels on our shoulder, but we never have opportunity to use them. And I'm saying to you, I don't have to create opportunity for you to use them. It's your Christian duty. As a follower of Jesus, it's our opportunity and our privilege to no longer make it about us, but to serve someone else in love by washing their stanky, dirty feet, to dealing with their issues, putting up with their problems, and realizing that we're in this together. Second thought here today. You okay? Look at this quote by Andrew Murray. Our love to God, look at this, our love to God is measured by our everyday fellowship with others and the love it displays. Our love to God is measured by our everyday fellowship with others and the love it displays. The second thought here today is true community is not natural. It just ain't natural, folks. <laughs> it must be created. Now, if you, the, often when it comes to community, we look for natural connection, which is fine. It's normal. I want to hang out with people I like too. But Jesus didn't call us to like each other. Jesus calls us to love each other. So sometimes 
we have to actually create community where we're around people we wouldn't normally be with. The disciples were 12 disciples who came from all different ways of life, and the only thing they had in common except for the few fishermen was the fact that they were followers of Jesus. And so the community starts with us realizing that I can't walk into an environment and expect it just to naturally happen. And they walk into, I just didn't feel it. Well, sometimes you've got to create it. Sometimes you've got to say, man, I feel like I need community, and I didn't necessarily find it there. Before you uh, take the exit sign, stop and say, hey, how can I create that? Because maybe there's someone else thinking the same thing. Hey, Pastor Ryan, man, I'm just figuring this thing out. Is there a way that I could start this group this next semester that takes a bunch of girls out and goes and hikes and we talk about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Hey, Ryan, I really like to, to work on motorcycles and I'm feeling a little disconnected. I'm not really sure what it is. So, hey, can I start a group for guys and girls to work on motorcycles? Absolutely, yes. Create community. When you create community, you are giving something to someone else that they are looking for as well. My job is to be a coach so that you can say, this is my passion and my desire in the kingdom of God. And I'll say, how can I help you create that? But I want to encourage you to remember something about the scripture here. It says in Acts 2.42, all the believers, look at this, devoted themselves. How many believers? All. All the believers devoted themselves. That word devoted there is a crazy word. It actually speaks the idea to never quit to never stop, to stay steadfast, to continue no matter what, to push through when things are hard. I am devoted to these four things. I'm devoted to the teachings of Jesus. I'm devoted to fellowship, which is the word koinonia, which is where we get the, the, the English word community. I'm committed and devoted to never stop with community and to breaking of bread in homes and to prayer. I am devoted and committed to those things. And the same type of word was used in 1 Corinthians 16. Paul was writing about Stephanus. Stephanus was one of the first uh, Christians in Greece. Look what it says. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they were all, they are spending their lives in service to God's people. Did you know that phrase, spending their lives, in the Greek actually means the word addicted? It speaks to the idea of habitually abandoning yourself to something. He's saying, listen, Stephanus and his family became followers of Jesus, and they are addicted to serving God's people. They are constantly looking for ways to create opportunity to connect with people. I, I see this person here, this single girl here, and this single guy here, and I want them to be married. No, just kidding. This single girl here, and this single girl, I think, okay, how can I help create an environment for these two to be friends? How can I get that couple and this couple together? How can I create with what God's given me a community in this environment? How can I engage all believers addicted ourselves to creating true community together. And that's what it says here in this scripture. In Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to doing all of these things. It was a regular part of their lives. There's a lie in the church today, a lie in just culture today. The lie is this, that your house has to be a certain way in order to have people over to it. Did you know that the early church was marked by having people in their homes every day? That's what it says in the scripture. Day by day, they met in each other's homes. Some of us here today say, Ryan, my house isn't big enough. Some of you might say, man, my house is too nice. 
People are going to come to my home and be like, whoa, so nice being you. So you might say, you know what, my house is too far away. So you say, oh, my house isn't clean enough. Uh, that's what I tell people. I'll clean my house. You just can't touch this one drawer. <laughs> that door's locked. But there was a church I, I read about that made a rule for the church that whenever they had people over, all they could serve was toast and tea. Every person was serving the same thing. So people started talking about, like, well, I like the Johnson's toast. They buy the nice toast. <laughs> There's a lie in our churches today that says I have to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way before I can have community. And that is just a bunch of baloney. God loves you the way you are. So do we. Let's create community together and get over all these pretentious cultural realities that are not allowed in the local church. We can't allow that type of thinking in our church. I have people over my home all the time. Yes, because I'm the pastor, but also because I love it. My prayer for you, Lord, I pray right now that you would give every person in this room the gift of hospitality. Hospitality is not doing nice things for people. Hospitality is not doing nice things for people. Hospitality is making people feel at home. That's what we try to do when you come in here. We want you just to feel at home. So you think, Ryan, do I have to all the nice stuff? No, you just need to look. Do, do, will people feel at home when they walk in the room? Well, if, if your dog uh, uh, is laying in the middle of the room and he's got, he's got a mess around him, I don't know if that's going to make me feel comfortable. Just have Sparky just go in the other room for an hour. Like little things like that. You can just say, okay. But listen, you want people to feel at home. That's what hospitality is. Not just doing nice things. Inviting people into your home. Inviting people into your lives. We need to create this together. Create this. You have to understand something, that th this is not my role to get each of you loving one another. That is your role as a follower of Jesus Christ. So we have four groups that are starting. Uh, the Alpha Film Series, which my wife and I led last, last time and was incredible. Two or three people gave their lives to the Lord for the first time. Uh, the, right now, I think we have like a huge chunk of folks going to this. So it's going to be amazing. There could be like 30 people there. So it's going to be super fun. Uh, a youth alpha group led by Justine Moon and Courtney for ages 9 to 14. My wife's going to do a ladies group called Discerning the Voice of God. It's an eight-week kind of Bible study. So all ladies of all ages want to go to that and join my wife. And she's a, she's a hoot and she's awesome. And she's the best person in, in this entire building right now. So you're blessed. And then I'm going to leave a men's group along with Andrew Ling and Joel on Thursday mornings, the 2nd and 4th, sorry, at 6.30 a.m. for breakfast. And we're going to read the Bible together and talk about purity and righteousness and men of God and parenting and all that stuff. So my encouragement to you, you've, it's been created for you. We did this very specifically. We pulled back and said, let's choose four things we're going to focus on. We did this to create space for you to say, okay, I'm going to engage in this. I'm not going to stand back and say, I don't really like Alpha, or Ryan smells funny, I don't want to go to that men's group, or I don't really like this. Say, hey, listen, we're trying our best to create community for you. Now your job as a follower of Jesus is to bring your towel and step in. Third one here today is this, last one. True community is built together. Everyone is involved. My heart, my desire would be, you know, a lot of people say statistics of groups. We have 40% of our groups, people, 40, 60% of people in groups. My heart would be that every person in the church is in a group. Every person in the church is in community. Not one person's gone untouched. Not one person's gone on the fringe. Not one person's standing on the outside looking and saying, I don't belong. We want every single person to feel as though they're a part of the community of God. And we have to do this together. Look at this verse, Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better off than one. 
for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together and keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Solomon was the wisest man on the planet. He says, listen, you cannot do this alone. This is one of the greatest ploys of our enemy of our soul, is to get you to think, that life is meant to be done alone. That is, you and your, you and your husband are meant to do this alone. That you're supposed to do this alone. That you're supposed to go out alone. Just me and Jesus. Just me and God. That's not how God created us. He created us as a man and a woman together as a unit. When he created the church, he didn't just save one. He saved 3,000. God is all about community. He's all about family. He's all about relationship. And if you're trying to do it on your own, I encourage you today, abandon the idea that you think you can do it by yourself. You cannot. You need partnership. You need love. You need friendship. You need mothers and fathers in the faith. You need brothers and sisters of God. You cannot do this alone, and we must understand that it was done together. That's what Acts says. All who believe were together. They had all things in common. Look at this in Philippians 2.2. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in one love, walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you'll find uh, my heart will be unbounded with joy. That phrase there, with one heart, in uh, the ESV or even the, the Greek translation would read, having the same. So that phrase, having the same, is actually the word maintain. We get our marriage vows to have and to hold from this word maintain. So when you stand with your spouse at the altar and say, to have and to hold, till death do us part, that phrase, that to have and to hold, that, that idea there is the idea of I commit that I'm going to maintain a relationship with you through thick and thin, when things are hard, when things are good, when things are up, when things are bad, when I want to leave, when I want to go, when we don't agree, when we fight, when we're angry, I'm going to maintain my relationship with you. That's what the church was committed to. Now we have hundreds of amazing churches in this city. It wouldn't be amazing if we were all one church. We are. One church, one people of God, realizing that, that we, can't, we can't expect to have a unity in the house of God, a true community, if we're not willing to say, you know what? I have it a whole Ryan Vore, have it a whole brother. I'm sticking with you through thick and thin. You offend me, I'm gonna love you. I offend you, you're gonna love me. Maintain. Now listen, I'm gonna say a statement you might not like. I love my wife deeply, but there is times, guys, when I don't like my wife. She's not in the room, so I can say that. There are times, if you've been married for any time at all, I've been married for, for 13 and a half years, I look my wife in the face when things are getting heated, and I think, girl, I love you, but I sure don't like you. But you know what? My heart is to say, I am maintaining this relationship. I am committed to you until the day I die. We're going we're gonna to do the notebook. We're going to lay in bed and go together, girl. Like we are committed to the end of time together to maintain this relationship. We are going to do it together. We are going to do it together. But there are times when you ain't going to like me because I'm going to say something you don't like. And you're going to say, you know what? I don't like that, Pastor. I'm out of here. Peace. Don't do that. That hurts the heart of God. He wants us to commit to maintaining unity and to maintaining togetherness. Do you want to know what the most attractive thing to lost people is? When we love each other, when we care for one another, when we do it together. Did he treat you like that? He said that to you? 
And you forgave him? Yeah, because I'm committed to him. Yeah, he was having a bad day and he treated me improperly. And yeah, he said this, but you know what? I'm going to take my towel and I'm going to wash his feet just like Jesus washed Jesus' feet because I made a commitment. I'm I'm maintaining this relationship to have and to hold. Wouldn't it be amazing to be a part of a church where you knew that if you were offended or you were hurting, that you could go and have reconciliation with that person? Wouldn't it be amazing to be a part of a community where you people knew the ins and outs of your life? They knew where you struggle. They knew where you were sad. They knew where you were broken. Do you want to know what the family of God is? It's a family. The church of God is a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So when you have a bad day and you treat someone improperly and you mistreat them, listen, their, their responsibility is to receive that emotion and be like, yeah, that sucked, that hurt. But now they got to pick their towel up and say, okay, <laughs> I've done this so many times. I've offended so many people over the years and I've had to go to them with my towel and say, hey, will you forgive me? How many pastors have I done that to? I I could name several pastors where I've had to go to them and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I've offended you. I've gone to people in the church and said, hey, listen, I'm committed to you. You offended me. You said this to me and you spoke that way about me in public and you didn't give me the opportunity to have the benefit of the doubt. You know what? I come with a towel today and say, I love you and I'm willing to work this with you. That's the kind of church I want Love City Church to be. But you know what? I can't, I can't do this alone. We've got to do this together. If you want to be a part of a community that's a family, you want to be a part of a community that is, that, is, that is deep and wide and experiences the love of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ goes farther than we can imagine. It's depth and it's width and it's height and it's, it's, it's hard for us to measure. But with God's Spirit, we can grasp it. Think about this for a minute. His love is deep and wide and long, so big that we can't grasp it. And Jesus said, when you wash your, your neighbor's feet, Love them like I have loved you. It's wide. It's long. It's deep. It's unconditional. That's the type of community that God wants us to have in the church of God. So when you invite your unsaved friends and family to our church, they're going to say, man, this is crazy. There's something deep in the, in, in the water here. Something deep in community. I can be myself with all my problems and my issues, and I'm loved, and when I offend someone, we can make it right. That is a beautiful community to be a part of. That's what we want to build here at Love City Church. So I encourage you today, as we launch our groups in the next two weeks, would you prayerfully consider being a part of one of them? They're only for uh, three, week, three months, 12 weeks. Some of them are sporadic. Some of them happen every week. You can go onto our website at lovecitychurch.ca forward slash groups, and you can sign up right online. But I encourage you to do that today. Think of yourself, man. Maybe you've been standing on the fringe a little bit. Maybe you haven't been connected like you want to be. Maybe you've just been, I'm not going to gauge. Listen, don't let your self-interest be the only thing you do. Let's move into genuine community where we're loving one another, where we're caring for one another, where we're, we're loving on each other, bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, caring for one another, loving one another, and having all things in common. Amen? Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.